Hey, and welcome back to CineDrunk. This is part two of our year-end review for 2014 and the year in film that was. Um, so if you listen to part one, which you should have listened to all 90 minutes of it, uh, we discussed our top ten lists. We went down, down the line. Um, let's briefly just touch on any films that would have been honorable mentions or just missed our top tens that we didn't discuss. Yeah. What, what you got? So I'll just go through mine quickly. Number 11 for me actually was Edge of Tomorrow. Mm. I had a lot of debate about which sort of popcorn fun summer movie, and I ultimately went with Guardians of the Galaxy, but I really enjoyed Edge of Tomorrow and Me especially too. Emily Blunt. For sure. That was full, my full number, metal bitch. Yes, that was my number 17. So that was another nice. you know, close one. I which was ahead of Guardians Guardians was also a runner-up. That was my number 19, which cool. was the, the lowest I ranked, but those were like clearly my top 19 thus right. far, at least of the year. But yeah, I totally agree. Edge of Tomorrow. We discussed in our summer yeah. wrap-up, but it it's really great. Watch it. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, so that was my 11. I, ha- I came up with 18 total. That was my 11. Number 12 was Birdman, which again, mm-hmm. those top 12 kept vacillating and moving around. Um, 13 was Love is Strange. That was the film that I... It was my also my number 13. What do you know? And I was... Surprised because I know I was a little lower on it than either of you, and I thought for sure it would be on one or both of your top ten lists, and I was surprised not to hear it. It was my thirteen as well, but only because I ranked my honorable mentions by alphabetical ah. order. <laughs> cool though. Well, it was actually in my top ten for a long time, and then I had sort of um, the the three punch of Ida, Obvious Child, and Under the Skin. Mm. All in fairly quick succession, and those three I was so high on that I had to push some things out. And Birdman got pushed out, and uh, Love is Strange got pushed out. So, mm-hmm. number 14, perhaps controversially, but it's you know, it's my type of movie that I love. I put in Imitation Game, mm-hmm. I really liked Imitation Game, I thought it was well performed. Yeah. I love my British period picks. Uh, 15 was Boyhood, 16 mm. was Begin Again, because I just thought it was really charming. Uh, 17 was Gone Girl because I thought it was a lot of fun in the theater and Rosamund Pike's performance plus Carrie Coon plus Kim Dickens uh, just really great and then 18 was Skeleton Twins for me mm-hmm. did have a lot of fun at that one for yeah. sure uh, well mine were lots of similar uh, was we already said number 11 for me was The Babadook um which appeared on your list, Elizabeth. Number 12 for me was Captain America, The Winter Soldier, mm. which, you know, I, I liked it at the time. I liked it in theaters. It was, it, was, it was exciting as just, you know, what it was in a Marvel film, but it actually stuck with me a lot, just what it was saying and the, like, Robert Redford of it all. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 13 was Love is Strange. 14 for me was A Most Violent Year, um, which was similar to Foxcatcher for me in that it was pretty confidently directed and clear in its vision, but not necessarily provoking, just sort of presenting kind of a meticulous world. Um, and I loved the performances, specifically uh, Oscar Isaac. I thought he was great. Um, it didn't really, really, really captivate me enough to, to warrant a place in my top 10, but it was really solid. 15 was Gone Girl. Um, it's just such a great entertaining story <laughs> and, a great, great book, a great adapted screenplay. They really made great adjustments to make it a film. And Rosalind great Pike. adult, great adult movie too. Yes, and another fantastic ensemble. We already yeah. did a whole podcast on it. That's not our best, but whatever. Um, number <laughs> it's six, actually our worst. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, well, there uh, is that unearned <laughs> divergence. That's, that's true. true. The last um, number sixteen for me was Gloria, which is on your list. Uh, Seventeen is Edge of Tomorrow. Um, 18 for me was Nightcrawler, um, which I still really appreciate more than I liked. I, I, don't, I think it misses the mark in some ways, but what it does, hit it hits just about a bullseye. It, it gets a lot of things really right, and it was really funny and dark and scathing. Uh, and 19 was Guardians of the Galaxy. Cool. So I had... Um... Seven honorable mentions. I did not get the memo that we were ranking them. So I feel I'm absolutely mortified. It's like I wore white to the wedding or something. Not my wedding. Um, So alphabetically, 
I have the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I've already mm-hmm. mentioned. Happy Christmas, which mm-hmm. um, stars, or at least has as a supporting, strong supporting role, Melanie Linsky from that wonderful film, Heavenly Creatures, right? Yeah, no. correct. Yes. Um, way back when. <laughs> <laughs> I never trust myself to remember these things. Um, but yeah, I loved Happy Christmas. I thought it was uh, just a lovely little movie that was naturalism at its best. Um, Love is Strange was on here. Um, Mr. Turner, which uh, I was fully prepared to not like whatsoever, but I thought it was mesmerizing. Um, The cinematography in particular. Yeah, production um, design, costume design. I just... it's worth it's worth a watch. I could I could definitely see how some would be bored to tears by it. We saw it in a theater where we were probably the youngest people by like generations. 50 years. <laughs> um, but it was tons of fun. Um, the Skeleton Twins. I also have mm-hmm. loved that. Stranger by the Lake, which I mentioned, and La Weekend, which. Mm. I will mention a little later as well, but um, that one has Jim Broadbent mm-hmm. and Lindsay, and Lindsay Duncan. Duncan, who has a cameo in Birdman, and Jeff Goldblum, and all three are just the delicious. The Bloom. They are, and that movie I, I loved, too, when you were talking about Gloria, which featured on your top ten list and was one of my um, honorable mentions. Uh, just, it was so kind of surprising to see elderly, I mean, they're not like super elderly, but elderly people portrayed as real people with desires and flaws and, you know, they're not like the sage, old, that specifically. Yeah. 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 I appreciated that a lot. That's cool. Mm -hmm. It's on Netflix streaming, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. One of those. I think it was Netflix. I think it was Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to watch that too. Yeah. We would recommend that. Um, so let's get into our acting awards. The way we sort of calculated this was um, we went through a list of all the films that we had screened so far in 2014 and made just like a list as we went through of any lead or supporting performances that stood out to us from those movies. We, between the three of us, managed to narrow it down to 10, and then the three of us each made a ranked list uh, of 1 through 10, first place getting 10 points, 10th place getting 1 point, uh, and determining a winner based on, on point values. There were some ties and whatnot, but let's let's start her off with sure lead or wait. Support or should we start supporting Let's start supporting sure. actor. Sure. Right? Um so we'll we'll share the responsibilities for this one. Um so how do we want to do this? I'm we can just reading the top five and sure start at the bottom work your way up. So in fifth place. Uh, yeah. Well. yeah. So tied for third. We have a three-way tie. Sorry, thanks for uh, letting me get my wheels on straight here. Okay. <laughs> tie. Uh, tie for third. Three-way tie. We have Alfred Molina in Love is Strange, Edward Norton in Birdman, and Mark Ruffalo in Foxcatcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All well-deserved. Yep. Um, second place, we had Andrew Scott in Pride, and in first place, pretty, you know, relatively resoundingly, Ethan Hawke in Boyhood. Yeah. Oh, and I, I should say, too, this this is our first annual Cinemunchies, we'll call them, <laughs> as we are yeah. a Cinemunch, we're a cinema. That, and, that and has been play. trademarked. So, you know, yeah. so don't even don't worry even about J.K. Simmons getting that Oscar, Ethan. You've got a Cinemunchie. <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by the Cinedrunkies. <laughs> So yeah, supporting actor went to Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I was really pleased. You know, it's interesting with Mark Ruffalo because I was not high on Foxcatcher at all as a movie as a whole, but I thought his performance was really pretty spectacular. Yeah. Um, I've spoken before about how much I love Ed Norton, but I'm really glad that Alfred Molina snuck in. Yeah. He's... You could consider it a lead, but I'm, I'm glad that right. the way that he got in. I thought it was I'm such sure a he's lovely, really glad beautiful, I know. And I'm glad that uh, Andrew Andrew Scott got a representation here from Pride. Yeah, I mean, I was really high on him, too, and I was surprised that he was our runner-up. Yeah. yeah. 
I love that we're like smoking or snorting all these people. We're so high on everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But watch out. I hear the, I hear the hawk come down is really rough. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I I feel like, cause I am usually not a big fan of Ethan Hawk. Don't usually respond. And the only films I think I ever like him in are Richard Linklater movies Mm. because I really love him in all of the before trilogy. He probably would have been on my list of actors last year for before midnight. And now here he is again. Yeah. And similar to actually Mark Ruffalo, they're very naturalistic and what they do consent. Well, maybe not always for Ethan Hawke, but there's, (laughs) I think so. Especially in the Richard Linklater films. Have you seen Daybreakers? (laughs) I have not, thankfully. But especially in the Richard Linklater movies, like what they do is, is what they're doing is very naturalistic and it can seem like either they're playing themselves or a version of themselves or it, it, you know, seems effortless, but yeah. in, in a great way that's deceptively difficult. Yes. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning that the far and away um, leader of the pack for all of the awards this year, J.K. Simmons, did not even make an appearance in our top ten. No. So suck it, J.K. Mostly just because we weren't... We didn't like we him. Didn't even though we him. love him as an actor. I but... do love him. Yeah, I do. And I... I like the performance just fine. I also consider it a co-lead rather than yes. supporting. It's also one-dimensional. Very. Yeah. Sorry, JK. Uh, fun fact for those of you like me, which is approximately zero of you, <laughs> who are as uh, pop culture deficient and face blind as I am. I just found out today <laughs> that Ethan Hawke was the kid in Dead Poet Society. You didn't know that? Uh, I, duh. <laughs> yeah, no, I had no idea because when I watched that That's multiple so times, I had no idea who he was. I had never seen him in anything else. And then years and years later, when he was, I saw him again in the Before trilogy, he looks a little bit cracked. Ragged. Out. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so surprising to no one but me, but do with it what you will. Um, shall I just continue with? lead actor and then pass yeah, it on. Let's sure. give it let's get rid of the men. The yeah, men. we, we care, care least about, the about them anyway. So for lead actor, the Cinemunchies twenty fourteen, um, <laughs> in fifth place, fourth runner up, we have <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal in Enemy. Not what you were expecting. Not neck I know. And a collective shriek <laughs> goes out among our listeners. If we were if we were Part of the Oscar nominating committee. This is when the all whole the press, and all the, the press, press room, like, hubbub, hubbub, hubbub. and a few people <laughs> a few would really smattering applaud. of applause. Yeah. But I think I think we all agreed that we liked him a little bit, at least, better in Enemy. Yeah, I think Nightcrawler's Nightcrawler. maybe a better or more complete role on, on its own. But he had a very exciting year, and I preferred what he was doing in Enemy. He was also he such was a... excellent in Nightcrawler for sure. Yeah. But um, we kind of chose one, and this was the one. Mm-hmm. And it ranked fifth. What were you saying? Oh no, that enemy was also a fascinating movie. <laughs> sure. Was. Oh yeah, it was. It's also on streaming. I just would recommend it. Impenetrable. <laughs> yes. Um, in fourth place, third runner-up, should the first three not be able to complete their duties. And wear the crown. And wear the crown. Eddie <laughs> so Redmayne will have the crown and the sash. For his work and the scepter, portraying Stephen Hawking in the theory of everything, mm-hmm. as he likes to say, um, he's a cutie. Oh yeah, we love him. He was great. It's Oscar Beatty, but it is Oscar it, Beatty, but it's also, also so like I just had a conversation with my roommate today because she had just seen it and she was like, "He's incredible," and I and it's just like, especially I think because we watch so many films and we're so used to Oscar Bay, we can come become a little bit cynical about it, but really. I mean, even thinking about the fact that they shot that movie not in sequence. So the fact that he was having to chart every day Mm -hmm. and switch back and forth. I mean, just, it's hard not to admire having that sort of technical skill. Right. Yeah, isn't it fun to, like, talk to the common folk about (laughs) movies? And they really help open your eyes to those pedestrian Yeah, it's it's really, it's it's eye-opening. Um, <laughs> tied for second, 
Um, we have, yeah, another tie. Uh, Ray Fines, is that correct? Ray, Ray mm-hmm. Fines, um, who carried Grand Budapest Hotel. I mean, the movie didn't need to be carried, but he carried it anyway. Mm-hmm. And David Oyelowo, who was stunning in Selma, mm-hmm. portraying Martin Luther King Jr. And our number one actor of the year, Michael Keaton in Birdman. Yeah. Yep. Which is, it matches up with Oscar as far as him being one of the top two contenders, at least. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, we've sort of come down on Michael Keaton as a human <laughs> or as a celebrity lately, but scary. that person. doesn't take away from the, the, achievement. the achievement. It's a fantastic yeah. Really, really, really great. And I think it was filmed pre-veneers. <laughs> so he actually or could... lip s- treatments or whatever. Lip injections. So he could actually t- speak in the movie. <laughs> he, was, he was phenomenal. He was yeah. Our male cinemunches went to Ethan Hawke and Michael Keaton. Uh, supporting actress, um, our number five was Melanie Linsky for um, Happy Christmas, which was one of your runner-ups. She's a fantastic... New Zealand, isn't it Kiwi? She's a Kiwi. She's a Kiwi. She's a Kiwi actress. She's a Kiwi. Um, really great performance. Really natural and improv. Um, number four, Tilda Swinton in Snowpiercer. Tilda. Our number three, the bronze medalist, was Carrie Coon in Gone Girl. And we had a tie for our Cinemunchy Award for Best Supporting Actress. They will have to share the crown. They will. They will have to split that, that munchie. Um, we have Patricia Arquette in Boyhood to go with Ethan Hawke's victory in Supporting Actor and Agata Kuleza in Ida which is a movie that featured on all three of our top ten lists and it's a fantastic performance yes they're both really great and excellent roles yeah. and for those of you who've seen the film she's the Agata because <laughs> both of the women actors are named Agata she's the older. or Agata she's the the, the aunt yeah. The only one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So in the actress category, number five went to Paulina Garcia. For Gloria. Um, for mm. Gloria, which uh, speaks to how much you two were impressed by her performance, only because I haven't seen her. So she was ranked 10 on mine. She got only one point from me just because I haven't seen it. Um, so the fact that, you know, she got so many from you. Really speaks to how highly you guys ranked her. Yeah. Um, number four is Scarlett Johansson for Under the Skin, mm-hmm. which you probably, if you have listened to the first part, are not surprised because particularly Nathan and I loved that movie, and I, I think what she's doing is very so impressive. Great. Yeah. Um, number three is Reese Witherspoon. Um, I think it also. <laughs> Bears in mind that our top three were all only points away. Yeah, one point away. So actually. our number one had 25, our number two had 24, and then Reese Witherspoon had 23. Wow. Close. So it was very close. A close horse race. Um, and fun fun fact about Reese and Wild, if you were to assign the same ranking 10 through 1 for our top 10s based on our top 10 movies, Wild would actually be our consensus choice for number one film of the year. Yes, which, well done, Reese Witherspoon. Surprising, yeah. And well done for producing it and seeking it out and also producing Gone Girl this yep. year. Not a girl. Good, good for you. Um, number two is S.E. Davis for The Babadook, yeah. which makes me very happy. It made me very happy that you guys were so eager to put her on our list, and then it made me extremely happy to see how highly she was ranked. She was my number one lead actress of the year. Yeah, I mean, you really, wow. everyone should see that movie because if, literally, for even if you don't like horror movies, even if you, whatever, her performance is astounding, and hers was number two on mine, and I considered switching her, Scarlet was first on mine, and I went back and forth on that one a lot. And number one, by a nose, <laughs> or probably by her ginger hair, uh, was Julianne Moore for Still Alice. Yeah. So we, we ended up being very much with sort of what the consensus has been right, this season. I mean, yeah. not Ethan Hawke is part of the five always, but it's always gone to JK. But uh, And well done on Oscars that all of our winners are at least Oscar nominees with the exception of Agata Kuleza, who right. tied Tied. shark head. But yeah, they feel well-deserved. They do. They do. They deserve some praise. 
Um, so we have a bunch of just year-end superlatives in some fun non-Oscar categories. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's just go go through what some. Ooh, let me see what strikes strikes my fancy. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and do it because this one was actually my suggestion. We have best performance in a bad movie, mm-hmm. um, and we chose Sam Riley in Maleficent. Certainly a bad movie. That movie was Oof. atrocious. <laughs> It was largely boring, which is actually, I think, its biggest crime. Yeah. Um, was how boring it was, but he was really great and had great screen charisma and was funny, and I was rarely engaged in that movie, but he, when he was on doing his thing, I was engaged. He plays, like, the, what ends up being the raven, you know, yeah. Maleficent's, like, Sidekick right henchman. Yeah. Yeah. He also had great chemistry with her. In yeah. a way that I feel like she didn't really have chemistry with anyone else in the movie. Even the camera. She just, like, <laughs> yeah. straight up didn't. And it's Angelina yeah, Jolie. Yeah, Angelina Jolie. Like, there was something about it that was so sort of isolating. But still to it. Anyways, though. Sam Riley had really great, fun chemistry with her. Um, and was good. So, way to go, Sam Riley. You Thumbs up. Suck. You get a cinemunchy sprinkle. Well... Let's follow up best performance in a bad movie with worst performance in a good movie. And that one is one I think we all feel confident and about. Strongly. And strongly about. Um, and that is Johnny Depp in Into the Woods. Yes. Um, no surprise. Quite entertaining, delightful holiday release um, flick. flick. Uh, Johnny Depp, on the other hand, trash. Garbage. He just needs to go take, like, a ten-year nap in his scarves. (laughs) And then emerge like a butterfly from his cocoon. Go go into his little crypt, his tomb. (laughs) Yeah. Seal it up for a few years. Hibernate. Yeah. Come out refreshed and... Ready to be a human being again. Yeah. Anyway... Yeah, just... I will say it speaks to the movies we saw that pretty much every good movie we saw didn't have, like, anything we would categorize as a bad performance. Maybe some weaker, some stronger, but he was the clear-cut winner for that. Agreed. Uh, Well, let's get hot and heavy with our our sexiest performance of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, uh, rather shockingly, went to a woman. But uh, it is (laughs) Emily Blunt for Edge of Tomorrow. Full metal bitch. Yeah. Just kicks major ass in that film. Yeah. And and bonus points for her amazing Critics' Choice Awards speech. I mean, the Critics' Choice Awards was a boring-ass, terrible award show. (laughs) But just her being like... You know, to not have to be the damsel in distress in an action film. Hallelujah. Well, and I mean, that's the greatest thing about yeah. having a woman as our sexiest presence in a summer blockbuster. When you think of, like, Michael Bay, like, camera up her ass. Right. Whatever. Megan and Fox or whoever he's using now. Yeah. It's not that. Even in the times that She's the camera is... Right. Even the time that the camera is sort of objectifying her body or showing it off, it's more in a, like... Look at how crazy strong this woman is. Like when you first see her and she she's in that plank neck. and you're yeah. like, whoa, look at her arms. But it's in a way that actually usually like men's bodies would be a, sort of objectified. Like you think of like Captain America, right? The close up on his like heaving muscles and whatever. He could have been a runner up. True. But anyways, I just appreciated that it was it was not in the typical way that a woman is perceived to be sexy on film. Right. And it wasn't objectifying no, it's, it's like right that's not really what driven. I mean right no no I, yeah. I know yeah yeah sure um the award for best ensemble 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 uh goes to pride <laughs> glad yeah. we are proud to say pride <laughs> um <laughs> wow and in a, a year of so many great ensembles, so many, so that's many, that's saying something. Yeah, it so really is. Good on you, Pride. Good on you. Pride really is the best. Um, ooh, well, I'll actually, Matt, you should do this next one because oh, it's okay. a it's a category near and dear to your yeah, heart. Yeah, I didn't want to do that. Oh, clearly. <laughs> um, 
necessary for me to include best performance by a feline in film. Um, I don't even really remember any others, but Bleaker in Gone Girl, mm -hmm. the, the orange tabby. Who sees all. And the way that, I mean, Fincher and maybe Gillian Flynn put it in the screenplay, but just used the cat every once oh, in a no, while. Oh, no, they just, really do. It really it's has great. a presence. It does. <laughs> and like a little personality. Yeah. Good on you, little tabby. I don't know. <laughs> Part of the I didn't look up the actor or the cat meow actor <laughs> cat yes cat cat we're done here folks um, but yeah well done bleaker well done bleaker treats for you there aren't that many roles for cats no um, oh well this is a great one because I'm all about it this is our <laughs> only slightly patronizing thumbs up for diversity award <laughs> <laughs> which to be fair was actually just we, the movie that we thought did the best of just casting sort of who they wanted to in a wide swath of people and none of it felt obligatory and we gave it to Snowpiercer mm -hmm. um, and it's not even just about sort of ethnic diversity um, but also in the graphic Gender. novel it's based on the Tilda Swinton character and originally in the script the Tilda Swinton character was written as a man and then Tilda was like, hey, I want to be in this movie. And she and director Bong decided she should play that character. Um, and it has a diverse cast. Yeah, it's including like Asians. Right. Who you rare, it's like the least represented major minority right. in Hollywood. It's right. kind of crazy. And it had two great, a female and a male mm -hmm. Asian character. Had Octavia Spencer, who's a middle-aged, non-size two black woman. Like just really... Thumbs up for diversity, Snowpiercer. Which was good, because it would have been... I mean, it's basically fantasy, but it would have been kind of ridiculous to have this, like, end of humanity, there's a wide mix of people on a train, but they're all, like, starlets. <laughs> like, it would have been, like, totally against the point of... Not but, like, not, not, not Yeah, that's obviously not the type of film it was ever trying to be, but... Right. Thumbs but if, up. But if it was made by a major studio, it would have been. Right, when it gets remade in a couple years, <laughs> yes. and it's totally different. It's like yes. Sports Illustrated swimsuit. Yes, level. it'll be Kate Upton. Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So thumbs up for we'll, diversity. Yeah. Next we'll, cinema. We'll do, as, our um, youngest, as our youngest member here, you should I guess it's yeah. fitting. There's a, an award for a young actor slash actress. And young their performance, we'll say. Young performance by an actor slash actress. By a human. By a human. <laughs> Non-feline. Um, Child. And this, well, there were quite a, a number of impressive performances, but this year we gave it to Noah Wiseman from The Babadook, mm -hmm. who was mesmerizing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, also if just you like see the movie, you know what, what we're talking about. Yeah, such like big and complex emotion too. Yeah, and it really speaks to the direction of the film yeah. and Essie Davis's lead performance. Yeah. That like, I'm sure the environment is what really helped create and craft his performance. Yes. And it's really nuanced. Yeah. Whether he's consciously making it so or not, it, right. it, it really works for the film. And there were, again, a lot of, just like there were a lot of good ensembles, there was a lot of good younger yeah. performances this year. <laughs> not that we need to list them all, but... I hope none of them get messed up. <laughs> one <laughs> one is blind to. Um, next, Cinemunchie. Uh, we'll split in two, but uh, the film that surprised us the most. Mm. Film that surprised us the most in a thumbs up, in a positive way, um, <clears throat> and they're both actually young adult films, uh, was The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1. Mm hmm um, you know, not a great novel. Did not need to split it in two, but I was still impressed with the darkness and the depth mm -hmm. that the film went to. It needed to, and the fact that it did was great. Right. Well, and I will stick up for actually the third book. I think <coughs> narratively and structurally I see the problems because it isn't as tight as her previous two. But, you know, the thing I like so much about this is that it, the novel and then this movie deals with PTSD yeah. in a very real way, in a in a way that, you know, we talked about liking dystopian movies. Mm -hmm. um, but they, especially YA ones, tend to focus on the heroics, but don't really focus on the fallout of what yeah. happens. Fade to black. Uh, right. Yeah. Or even like the Harry Potter 
which I love, and I love Harry Potter so much, but the epilogue, which is like, his scar never hurt again, and he's like married and all was with well. Ginny, and all is well, and all is, which is like, no, if you have been through what he's been through, like you're haunted your whole life, <laughs> even if you can function in society, like you're gonna deal with it. So I liked actually even that they split it up into two movies. I don't think they necessarily needed to, but it gave room for space, space yeah. for that to breathe. And it was actually, there was very little action, which I didn't mind. I yeah. appreciated the sort of quieter character drama moments. Yep, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, flip side of that film that surprised us the most in a bad way. <laughs> and I still, and we've discussed this on the summer podcast, but I still am I shocked by how bad the Fault in Our Stars was. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, it just shouldn't have been. I still, like, I just don't understand how, why it was that bad. It's terrible. Yeah. It should be, like, middle of the road, okay, tearjerker, young adult drama. But, yeah. no, it's it's pretty wretched. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, I have nothing to say about it. No, <laughs> no it just doesn't deserve it. Avoid it. Avoid it. Another two-parter, Cinemunchie. Ooh, yes. The <laughs> I'm doing all the patronizing ones. <laughs> Sorry, I, I can continue. <laughs> it is. The <laughs> wasn't sure you had that in you award. <laughs> Meaning actors or the actor and actress who surprised us with performances we were not expecting. Which is not even to say that they've necessarily been bad at things. Um, just that they showed more range or depth. Um, than we expected. And for male performer, we have Bill Hader in The Skeleton Twins, mm-hmm. um, who I think we all really like Bill Hader and think he's very funny, super talented comedian. And we were all just surprised at the the sort of depths he was able to plumb and mm-hmm. the serio and the serio comic of that performance. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, and then for female, we are awarding it to Kristen Stewart for Still Alice, mm-hmm. which... Uh, you know, I, th- I think she still sort of stays... She's always going to be, in a way, Kristen Stewart. Like, she's never going to be one of our transformative actresses. Where you're right. like, no, oh, I don't even recognize. That's not what she does. Yeah. Which is not what she does. She, yeah. But she was deeply connected to the material and Julianne Moore as a performer. Yeah. Um, she was a very she was very generous yep. with herself and seemed to be deeply connected to the material. Yeah. She'll always have the resting Kristen Stewart face, but yeah, and the lip bites and um, all that. But. The tricks are all there. Yeah, I will say the one <laughs> criticism I would have of her in that movie, which I don't think is her fault, is that then they had her do those few scenes like she's of acting. An actress, right? Like when she's in the the play, Chekhov the Chekhov play, play yeah. and it's like, oh, not good. <laughs> Kristen Stewart is a great naturalistic contemporary actress mm-hmm. on film. And works in a film context. I don't think Kristen Stewart is ever going to be like on Broadway in Chekhov. I don't think yeah, that's probably not. <laughs> she probably will be on Broadway. <laughs> right. To sell tickets. To sell tickets. Right. But exactly. she should not be, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, so we are moving on to another two-parter, um, which is the most underrated and overrated movies of the year. Um, and we've already talked about one of these quite a lot. The underrated uh, movie of the year was Wild for us, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which turned out to be our consensus choice, um, if you add up all the points for Best Picture. And the overrated movie is definitely, unanimously, Whiplash. Easily. Which... Um, which I like more than you do, but it's still super overrated. a little turd of a film. <laughs> And that's about all there is to say. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see why people like... That's on the DVD box. <laughs> a little turd of a film, says Cinnamon. <laughs> Two turds down. Um, yeah, and I can definitely see why people like it, or, like, I don't think it's a poorly made film. We just... It's overrated. It's I also, I'm glad that we live in a world where a movie like this can still be made and get some recognition, but that's true. it's still just overrated. Yeah. I'm getting all these great ones, like Performance by a Feline. I get, now I get Best Inanimate Object. Um, <laughs> these, sort of, which, these sort of match your personality. <laughs> <laughs> An inanimate human. cat. 
Beep boop. Um, which uh, clearly this year went to the Babadook book, mm-hmm. which now exists and you can you can order it or pre-order it. It's pretty expensive, but it's it's so integral to the film and so it feels like it has a history and it's a real thing and it's this really well-crafted, artsy children's book that's just the right amount of like, this is a quirky kid's book that's by like an artist and that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's really... Agreed. I want to own it, but and I definitely don't want to ever see it in places real life. when it shows up places. Right. And... Yeah. And how it's like sort of blank and then later on there's more to it and it's ugh. Yeah, and it's a pop-up book. It's like, unsettling yeah. in the best way possible. Um, you're gonna need to do this this next one. Yeah, this definitely. Is right this alley. is this is tailor made for me. <laughs> best elderly British performance. Um, my favorite breed of actor is an elderly Brit, <laughs> particularly female, um, particularly with some sort of uh, awakening happening <laughs> in the background, um, a la Calendar Girls or Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Anyway, this year, we're talking about 2014, the best elderly British performance goes to Marion Bailey in Mr. Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the lovely lady who lives by the seashore <laughs> and shows up again and again and just charms you more and more each time yeah. she appears on screen. It's just such it's a pleasure. Radiant. So, thank you for your work, Marion <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> um, well, maybe I'll... Oh, I, do, I will do this one. Yes. <laughs> um, the breakthrough of the year, we, we talked about it could be acting or behind the cameras, and we had a lot of discussion, and we decided our breakthrough for the year is not one specific person, but the fact that it was there were many female directors that really had their moment. Obviously, sort of probably most high profile was Ava DuVernay with Selma, which appeared on all of our top ten lists. Um, there was Jillian Robespierre as a director writer of Obvious Child, Jennifer Kent director writer of The Babadook. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the name of the woman who wrote A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, but that mm-hmm. won some breakthrough critics awards and is supposedly very good. Yeah, um, so just a great year for fresh female talent. Yeah, there was a ton. Yeah, a yeah. Ton. I'm sure there are more that I'm forgetting. Yeah, even to not even mentioned but I will know Angelina Jolie for Unbroken no to- yeah not great directing but still it's a huge achievement and successful high profile yeah and it, it did Boku box office it's a big hit yeah yeah it was a great year for for female directors hopefully that trend continues yeah probably not <laughs> yeah probably not one and done um at least several of them got in for Oscars directing oh wait, oh, wait. none of them did um, next, uh, let's do, uh, the best song or music moment, uh, on film this year. We definitely had to go with the Skeleton Twins, um, <laughs> Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig's lip sync to Starships. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Such a good moment that should play, like, oh, they're just doing, like, a funny bit or an SNL sketch, but it, it says things about their characters and their relationship, and it's so positive, but kind of melancholy, and it's... Yeah. So many emotions. And, so and many. And it's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. moment. Um, Agreed. Next, uh, I'll, I'll hand to you for... Oh, yes. Um, this was the one I had asked to be included, which was most romantic moment in a film. Oh. Well, you know, I'm a lady. I like oh. romance. You like romance. Chocolate. And it's flowers. just all, every scene of the other woman. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the most romantic moment that I saw in a movie this year and in a while just is so great and part of it is also living in New York City um, is in Begin Again the scene when Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley use the headphone splitter and share an iPod and walk around New York City listening to the music I mean they also have great choices they have like classic Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. and then of course they have For Once in My Life which is like my favorite Stevie Wonder song ever and 
it was so romantic. And yet, it's so romantic and they don't even touch. Like, they walk close right. to each other, but there's there's something, something lovely in that, that it's not even about, like, physical passion or anything. It's connecting through music. Sweet. It's mm-hmm. very sweet. Yeah, and I love the callback later with um, that she Blood, gives it. Catherine Keener. Yeah. Yeah. She gives oh, it. Oh, and then, yeah, and just the splitter in general. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Fitting for the film. Good stuff. All right. Our final thing is we each will get to pick a craft, a top craft recognition. And this would be like a traditional Oscar category. Yeah. Cinematography or sound or song or what have you. Um, Just instead of like picking our top in each category or listing the top several, let's just pick one thing that, (gasps) that stood out to us as our superlative craft of the year. What's yours, Maddie? Maddie D? Mine, uh, it could have been many things, so many. but I, I ended up going with the score for Birdman. Yeah. Um, narrowly over, actually, the cinematography for Birdman. I think just the crafts of that film are a lot of what make it as exciting as it is, and the score is, like, perfectly fitting in that it's kind of spontaneous, and it's just percussion. It's just, like, drums, and it propels it forward in a way that the... Everything else is propelling it forward. The performances, the cinematography, editing, everything that, that's gone into it. It's just such a great match. And I especially stick up for it because it's complete and total bullshit that it was disqualified for Oscar. Yes. But that is my my craft cinema gene. Mm. Oh, this is so hard. I'm like, I'm deciding still at this very moment which of the two. Uh, uh, you can you can list one as a runner-up. Gun to your head, what? What is it right now? Okay, I'm going to say, one? I'll say my run-up later. My num- my number one is cinematography for Ida, which is totally expected from me, at least from you guys, I would imagine. Um, well, now you're predictable, Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> so predictable. Um, I've already talked, I mean, you listened to part one, you know the drill. <laughs> but yeah, cinematography is great. Yeah. Yeah. What was your, what? What, yeah, what was your runner? Well, I kind of want to wait for Elizabeth because oh, hers might take be. It from her. Well, hers might be this. Well, it's funny. I had I was very torn between two things, um, but I think ultimately my winner is best adapted screenplay. Wild Nick Hornby. Hmm. Lovely. Uh, it's such That's a great. It's such a great script, and I think the script is a huge part of what keeps that film for for feeling just like an experience and not like a lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he works in voiceover, which is always tricky in a movie, voiceover can be so tedious. And instead it's like oftentimes like we're just hearing the thoughts in her head. Like it's just a really smart screenplay. And I love Nick Cornby. And so it means Wilde is surprisingly funny yeah. in many places because he's a very witty guy. My runner up though was cinematography for Under the Skin. Ooh. Or even score for Under the Skin. That's another good score. Yes. For sure. What uh, was your runner-up? Best Original Song? Or did you say we couldn't do that? No, you can. Okay, yeah. Best Original Song for Selma. Glory. Glory. Yeah. And I think not just because of the song itself in a vacuum is so great, but obviously because it, it fits the film and, yeah. and the tone that it contributes to the end, which I think is such a... A particular strong point of the film, the Absolutely. way that it wraps up without, you know, falsely wrapping up because there is no wrapping up. Yeah, I, but that there is theme. wrapping. Hi, hi. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, so I, great. I think if we had cinema munchies for like best ending or something, it it, it might be that. I think. Selma, that, yeah. yeah, and I think that's a big reason too why it was my runner-ups, potentially number one for film of the year. And just briefly on that cinema munchie, if we had a best opening, I think I'd go with Love is Strange. Them yes. like getting ready for the wedding. Oh, yeah. That's a great so opening. Good. So good. That's yeah. a great opening. All right. Well, you guys should really sure, talk yes, about Because we are cinema munch and we love food and film and fluff. Uh, we obviously <laughs> need to run down some best food and drink moments in film for 2014. Yeah. Well... My favorite food moment, of course, involves um, a movie that I didn't particularly like called Noah. Um, <laughs> and an old man that you may maybe have heard of 
Methuselah. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> he has this obsession with berries, um, and it's just so endearing. And, um, you know, it eventually leads him to his untimely death. Um, I think timely at that point. That's right. true. He's been that's alive true. for like a thousand years. It, but, you know, but the time, berries. shmime, yes. it's the Bible. Who even knows? Um, yeah. It, it, it just... Truly stirring stuff. Yes. And his berries. Um, the other, on a more serious note, the in Selma, the meal that um, many of the major characters share, kind of closer to the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. It's Are they in Selma at that point? Is it right they're after they arrive? Just a little bit outside they, of it. I, I think, think they're, they're on their way. They're, yeah, they stop yeah. at a character played by Nisi Nash. So they're just, it's just a really, um, again, honest, real, authentic, whatever, like moment of people coming together and sharing uh, a meal and you're really just a bug on the wall observing yeah. how, then, how these people, um, these characters are building community through food, which is obviously something that hits close to home for us. Um, what else would you say? Man? But it's also like a stereotypically like black Southern, you know, food is like a big thing, but it's also um, the, the film many in, at many times sort of not knocks down MLK, but sort of bring, puts him on a human level. Like he's, right. a, he's a real person. Yes. Eating with friends and they're bantering. Yeah. And, and I love just the subtle, I guess not so subtle, but humor of it of Nisi Nash being like, Oh, here's how many, of, of you guys are coming and they're like oh you know this many and then people just sort of keep the streaming number and keeps and coming up right, right. and she's, she's like oh like, okay great play hostess right. we'll need more and food. they're like ribbing each other and teasing each other about things it is a very nice like man behind the myth yeah yeah moment and it's not like in this scene we need to learn this it's just like nope this is right part of the journey right yeah um, um <laughs> uh, well, I would like to talk. Uh, one of the ones that I, oh, I forgot the A. <laughs> we'll save that for last. But one of the ones that I really enjoyed was Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl. I guess this is a slight spoiler, but again, the movie's made like two hundred and fifty million dollars. You should have seen the spoiler movie. Spoiler alert! It's been out since October. Get with the program. Um, when she's been taken, she actually does a lot of great food eating stuff when she's she does, dead, yeah. Amy. But when she is just savoring when she's gotten to Neil Patrick Harris's um, house and she's just savoring with her face the news coverage and when at the same time the, like interview right yeah yeah um, and at the same time savoring this thing of ice cream so she's just like shoveling this ice cream in her mouth as she and just the sort of duality of how she's emotionally absorbing yeah. what she's watching, the junk of what she's watching, the junk food of the news coverage to the junk food. And then at the end, Neil Patrick Harris takes it away from her. Yeah, and she gives enough. him a look like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great little bit of, of comedy. Totally. And our, our number, well, we didn't really rank these, but our final food moment is not, also a moment of comedy, which is um, Tilda Swinton. And Snowpiercer being forced to eat the weird little cockroach jello square that the people in the back of the train are yeah. needing to eat. And the way she does it with those oh. dentures. And... There are several like gifs or gifs, however you pronounce it, online of it, and it's great. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just one of many brilliant <laughs> bits of physical comedy that she does in that movie. Yeah. Um, one of our favorite... Uh, film moments that involved drink uh, was in Happy Christmas, which again is on um, Netflix Instant. It was one of Nathan's runner-ups, or was it on your top ten? Runner-ups. Runner-ups. Um, yep. It involves a scene with Anna Kendrick and Lena Dunham, who are uh, play good friends, and they're staying at um, Melanie Linsky's house, who's Anna Kendrick's sister-in-law, and they have this like sort of kitschy, weird basement that has like a tiki bar in it, and they're like, oh my god, this is awesome, because of course they're like, it's Lena Dunham. They're like hipsters, and they're like, "This is great. Let's crack right. open a drink." And they invite Melanie Linsky, who's kind of shy and not really, you know, into having her at her at their house. She's kind of destructive. Anna Kendrick is a little destructive, 
um, and they get her to have a drink and then it cuts to later and she's, she's had a few and she's sort of like not spilling her heart, but you know, she's connecting and it's, it's a really sweet comedic, but kind of sad, um, which is like, well acted, sweet it's like her wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really, yeah. Well acted scene. Mm -hmm. Agree. Mm -hmm. And then our, our final, you should be shared by you. Finally for me, um, my favorite drink or food moment, um, but it's a drink moment of the kids 2014. are excited about it. I know they're gearing up for the big reveal. Um, in Le Weekend, uh, Lindsay Duncan and Jim Broadbent have just arrived uh, in Paris uh, for their kind of ill-fated vacation um, as an older couple, uh, older English couple, and they're kind of walking around the city looking for a place to eat lunch and they agree that Lindsay Duncan's character will choose where to eat lunch and uh, Jim Broadbent will choose where to eat dinner later. Um, so finally they, you know, it's they a great montage and then like looking at menus. looking at all the tourist traps and finally they get to this, you know, they're looking at all the menus and the decor and looking inside to see who's actually eating in these places. Um, and, uh, Lindsay Duncan's character looks at the uh, menu at this final place and says, we have liftoff. Yes, let's, <laughs> this is the one. So they go in um, and she's just, from the moment they enter, she's just at so much more at ease. She's at home. She's so happy to be in this place of food and drink and nourishment. Um, she's ordering in French uh, it's just, it's a lovely moment. And then she orders this really nice glass of white wine and, um, takes a sip and says, that's the nicest thing I've ever put in my mouth. <laughs> and the delivery is just perfect. Yeah. Um, and they're like throwing money on, on at this that trip they that they don't, don't have. have. Uh, and so they order like a really expensive, nice glass of wine. Yeah. Just why um, not? It, it's, it's really... I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sweet. It's sweet. It's 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 like a nice white wine, just like she's drinking. Um, not listed here, but my favorite moment in film and food was this podcast called Cinedrunk, <laughs> brought to you by Cinemunch.com. Yes, it's my fave. Thank you for listening. Thank you. These were our year-end yeah. Cinemunchies. That's just about a wrap on 2014. Obviously, we'll be back with our. Oscar Predicts. predictions or reactions or whatever we we do for the Oscars, which is when the year really ends. So it's not even 2015 yet, folks. But, <laughs> but yeah, check out any and all of these films if you haven't yet. We recommend most of them, unless they got a bad cinema and it was like Pride. rotten. Yeah, it's definitely Wild. Pride, Wild, Selma. Yeah. Ida. 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 Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.